the whole reason to use five two nines, of course, is for tax savings. So what happens is just like some of these other accounts you're familiar with, your 401k or your individual retirement accounts, your IRAs, the money inside of that account, once you contribute money, it grows tax free. Welcome to Real Financial Planning, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, joined as always by Mike Morton, the host of Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs and the proprietor of Morton Financial Advice. Mike, your podcast is called Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs, but you're not just talking to entrepreneurs, right? No, of course not. (laughs) Where's that coming from? No entrepreneurs, tech professionals, all adults out there, kids out there, everybody who finds this content useful. We're all entrepreneurial. In your own life. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in our own way. Yeah, you, you stand up and you say, I am going to go out and get a burrito for lunch. You're, you're taking charge of things. You know, you're being kind of entrepreneurial. Speaking of taking charge of things, we just finished recording an episode about how and when to start thinking about saving for education costs. I commend that episode to everyone. It's going to be in the Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs podcast feed and the Capital Close-Up podcast feed. Check those out. It's just a general high-level orientation to the topic of, let's say you're in this situation. You have kids. They're going to want to get educated. You want them to be educated. You don't just want them to be you know, part of roving gangs, ravaging cities. <laughs> What do you do? How do you start to think about it? That was a useful conversation. Um, Got some good stuff out of that. But we promised that we would do a follow-up about the main savings vehicle that most people use, although you don't want to overlook that Roth IRA. So again, check that out. That's a really useful hidden trick. But the major one that people use is the 529 account. And so what we wanted to drill down on in this episode is just a real compact News you can use, everything you need to know about 529s, how to set them up, what to do with them, how to think about them. Here we go. Mike, 529s. <laughs> what's a 529? Why is it called 529? I think it's the, I, I was just thinking about that as you were talking there. I think the 529 is from the IRS code. I think that's why it's called a fu- section of the IRS code. That's why we call them 529s. Education savings. Gosh, the fact that they're 529 sections, you got have to you have to wade through 528 yeah. other sections. Well, that's not too bad. There's, there's probably a couple thousand. So you, you don't you could stop at the 529. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, that's a career that I'm glad I didn't pick. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that'd be fun. Reading through the IRS code. So the section 529 and these are accounts that are earmarked for education costs. So you can use them. You can put money into an account. Um, these are account types you're used to, um, savings account, checking account, uh, what we call brokerage account, where you can invest in stocks and bonds. You got 401ks and IRAs and all kinds of stuff. So this is just another one. And yes, you have to set up a new one. Um, and it is a 529 account. And then you put money into it and you can invest that money. And hopefully it gets grows over time. And then uh, you pull that money out specifically for education costs is why we're saving into the 529. Got it. So when you have accounts that you are setting up for young people, and we've actually done two episodes about this recently. We did an episode where we talked about beginning to save, helping young adults, even teenagers, even kids who are younger than that, start to save for their retirement. Turns out that getting going early, massive, massive benefit Mm -hmm. to doing that. And we also did the last episode about just thinking about education costs in general. So as you approach this, one of the considerations is you're typically saving for someone who's not quite old enough to 
own an account for this to be their investment. Mm -hmm. So how does this work in the context of 529s? What exactly are yeah. you doing to set this up? Yeah, these accounts, like your checking or savings account, of course, you're just the owner and, and that's kind of it. So these accounts have a couple of different people involved. There's the account owner who sets up and does, does the account. And then there's the account beneficiary who is going to be the beneficiary, get the money for their education. So that's typically your child, could be a grandchild, niece, nephew. It can be anybody. You can set up a 529 account for absolutely anybody. So you could be the owner and then there's a beneficiary. So there's, there's two parts there in terms of the account. And so if you're a grandparent listening to this, you could set up your own 529 account right now where you're the owner, your grandchild is the beneficiary, and you could start plunking money into it today. Yeah. In fact, one quirk about these 529s accounts, which we can talk later on because it's, you know, it's kind of interesting but not that relevant, is you can change the owner at any time and you can change the beneficiary at any time. And it's a really bizarre thing because think about your checking account you can't really just change the owner of your checking account to anybody you want um, but these 529s you can change account ownership and you can change account beneficiaries now the beneficiaries uh, it makes sense but it still is kind of bizarre because they want the flexibility that you could use the money in the account for other beneficiaries if your child doesn't use it all you could change it to their sibling you could change it to a niece or nephew you could change it to yourself but this has a lot of implications because this is where you can start a 529 for an unborn child because you can be the account owner and the account beneficiary okay put in a few thousand dollars or whatever and then you can change the beneficiary to a child that is born two years later Wow, he said this would be news you could use, but there's two really awesome tips in there. One is, I just never thought about that that concept that like you got married, you're considering having kids sometime soon, and you were just saying in the last episode, like starting early is great when it comes to any kind of savings. So do it now, make yourself the beneficiary, change it later. So that's one really practical application. This the other is, this is an awesome way to have amazing leverage over people in your life and to have incredible family arguments and retribution. So now, especially for you grandparents who are sitting on that's right. assets, set up an account like this for your grandchild today. And then if you disapprove of their life choices, you don't have to go through all the mishigas of writing them out of your will. You just change the beneficiary. It's like, hey, that $100,000 yep. for your college, it's gone. Nope, it's I don't gone. like that you're dating yep. Sandra. I, she, nope, nope. Yep. As soon as you break up with Sandra, I'm changing the beneficiary back. This is great. Yeah, yeah. they do call the 529 a poor man's trust for exactly that because it is kind of a trust account for the beneficiary and you can change those beneficiaries when you want to. This is absolutely amazing. I, it's like a million ears just perked up at the idea of, ooh, I can use this to really put one over on the kids. Right. The this is fantastic. Of course, the problem is, that those kids and grandkids won't value their future college education as much as you do. So in a way, you're not getting as much leverage as you thought. All right. All right. Retribution aside. So you're interested in setting up one of these accounts, right? We know that let's say you're the parent. You're going you're gonna to be the owner. You're going to set it up for a beneficiary. You mentioned before, you don't need to fuss too much if you have multiple kids about, am I setting it up for the one versus the other because you could transfer that later yeah you, you but you do want but you do want multiple accounts if you have multiple children why is that well you could change the beneficiaries but 
there's gifting rules and other situations where you really just want to have separate accounts for those kids. Now, if you had one kid and, and then a kid 20 years later or 10 years later, then you could change, they could use it and then change it to the beneficiary with leftover money. But typically we've got kids that are a couple of years apart. They might be in college sort of at the same time. So you're spending the beneficiaries. You can't change kind of weekly. You wouldn't want to go in and out and change them. So you want to have multiple accounts uh, for each beneficiary. They're super easy to set up. It's not something that you're going to get in there uh, every week or every month like you do your checking account. Uh, it's going to be once a year that you kind of go in there or you're going to set up some automated savings. So go Got ahead and it. set up one. And there's other reasons that you might want even more accounts because we'll talk about state tax savings because these 529 accounts are set up per state. And that's another reason you might want to have separate accounts. But in general, set up uh, accounts because you only have one beneficiary. Unlike trusts, you can put multiple beneficiaries. You can only have one beneficiary on each 529. So if you got multiple kids or grandkids, go ahead and set one up for each of them. Got it. So you, and I think I recall that one of the major reasons in, in what you just said is if you have the means to give a good chunk of money, there are IRS limitations on how much you can give to your mm -hmm. child. I think it's $15,000 well, for it's an 16, individual. Well, $16,000 this year. 16 this year, but 529s have a special five-year rule where you can pre-save five years worth of gifting and you don't have to file any kind of gift tax return. So it used to be, uh, let's use the 15,000 because it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, you could do each adult, each parent could give 15,000, right? right? So, so you're a married 30, If you're a married couple. Right. Could, or, or each adult can give 15,000. You, you oh, can give I it any see. single person. Any, right. any one person can give any other person $15,000, $16,000 in 2022 without filing any tax gift tax returns. So that's 32,000 as a couple that you could give one single child. And then you can do five years worth. So that's $160,000 that you could do all at once. Right, okay. right, right, right. So what you could do if you are in the camp, we talked about this last episode, that you know you want to save 100% um, for their education and you have the means to do that, when that child is born, you could gift them $160,000 into a 529, invest it 100% in the stock market and let it ride for 15, 18 years, um, and then hopefully it grows to an amount that uh, will be able to cover their college costs. When you can track that over time, of course, but there's a possibility. Are you ready to create your ideal lifestyle? Let's discover what's most important to you and design a plan to have more of that in your life. Go to meetmikemorton.com. All one word, meetmikemorton.com. Now, here's, again, as we just kind of run through the logistics of doing this, here's a question. You alluded a moment ago to the fact that each state has its own 529s. You could choose North Dakota. You could choose Nebraska. I, I hope I'm saying something nice <laughs> to our listeners in those states. Normally, if I want to set up a new account, I start by choosing the financial firm that I'd like to use. Like I want to set up a Vanguard account because they're famous for low cost funds. And so, you know, like index funds. So I decide to go to Vanguard and I, I, I set it up through them. But with these state accounts, with these state pro 529s, there is typically a financial firm 
that administers that particular state's 529. So, for example, if you live in Massachusetts like you do, you've got to go through fidelity for that. Is So so how do you get started? Do you, do you start by choosing the state and then figure out which financial firm to go to? Or do you start with a financial firm or what do you do? Yeah. So I would start with the state. You can choose, you live in the in the US, you can choose any state's 529. You don't have to choose your own state's. Okay. The reason to choose your own state. So you want to set up a 529. So let's get back to logistics. Hey, I have, have a child or a grandchild or whatever. I'm going to set up a 529 for their benefit. What do I do next? First, check your state tax savings for your 529s. Some states offer a state tax savings for contributions to 529s. Other states do not. What state um, tax savings they offer is different. Here in the state of Massachusetts, you can get up to $2,000 of contribution per beneficiary can become off your state taxes. So it's kind of, you know, 5% or five and a quarter percent or five, six percent, whatever state taxes, you know, times the 2000 bucks, you'd save about a hundred or 125 bucks off your state taxes here in the state of Massachusetts. Other states are different. I know the state of Virginia has way higher savings, up to $10,000 per account. So if you contribute $10,000, you're going to save that state tax times 10,000 bucks, you know, whatever the state percentage is times 10,000. It's going to be a big, and that could be if you have multiple accounts and you do 10,000 each, it's, you know, off 10, 20, $30,000. So each state has their own tax rules. So check that first. But that only applies to you if you file state taxes in that state. So what you're really checking is, is there a particular benefit to choosing my own state's 529? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you only have to do this once. You just check your own state. So I live in the state of Delaware. Does Delaware have a state tax deduction for 529 contributions? If they do not, if your state does not, then you're free to invest. You're always free to invest in any state's 529 regardless. In fact, Matt, I often recommend not using the Massachusetts one. It's fine, but it's not my favorite state 529. I've compared the top five or six different states 529s. I haven't compared all 50, um, but I've taken the sort of top recommended ones and I've dug a little deeper into those. And my favorites would be either Utah or Illinois. Not that other states are not good, they're fine, but those ones just have the right mix, the lowest cost investment options and the right mix of investment options. Those are the ones I typically recommend. So if you're in a state, check your own states. We're getting ready to open a 529. I live in the state of Maryland. Check Maryland's 529s, which I happen to know are actually pretty good. You get pretty good state tax deductions for 529s in Maryland. But check your state. If you get a state tax deduction, check how much it's going to be. All right. By dollars. Hey, are you saving 50 bucks, 100 bucks? Are you saving 3000 bucks? That's a difference. Okay. Because if it's only like 100 bucks, maybe another state's plan is a better option, has lower cost options or better investment options Mm. for you. Got it. So that's interesting. So you got to start with the state and then if you once you've made that selection then you go to whatever financial firm or or whatever interface administers that state's 529 yeah 
and just do a quick Google search. It'll be the top result. I want to invest in Illinois 529. It's it's called Bright Start. If I want to invest in Utah 529, it's like my my 529 or something like that. So yeah, one Google search, you know, will we'll tell you. And the, the Google search will also tell you your state tax deduction. All right. So just say I live in Wisconsin, Wisconsin 529 state tax deduction. And it'll tell you right there, like if you get one or not. Now you were saying in our Oh, and that, oh, let me just say too, that the state tax deduction is for contributions into a 529 in that year. So if you make $5,000 contribution every year, then you get to write on your state tax forms, I made a $5,000 contribution, take that amount off of my state taxes. Got it. Got it. Now, you were saying in our episode on getting young people going on their retirement investments that it's really a three-step, it's a very easy three-step process. You open an account, you put money into the account, and then you have to decide where it gets invested. Three easy steps. And actually, it's pretty similar with any investment you're making nowadays. You know, you open the account, you put some dollars into the account. <laughs> That's right. It's not like you just put it in and then you're done because you're, they're going to ask, well, what do you want us to invest that in? What's the answer on that when it comes to five to nines? Yeah. So that third part trips people up, right? Uh, luckily, these days in sort of our 401ks, you get default options now. Um, so that's great because we know default options work really well um, because, yeah, people get tripped up on that third part. Uh, too many options, Matt. We talked about that. But, you know, in your 401k, you're going to have 20, 30, 40 options. Uh, no, yeah, not making a decision. <laughs> so it just sits in cash, right? You don't get to step three. So in the 529, same thing. Now, luckily, most of them are going to have that default option when you're setting up the account. Boom, I'm going to open my account, put in my name and address and all my info and the beneficiary stuff. And then they're going to ask you, what do you want the investments to go into? Okay, so that you don't have to choose it every time you add 2000 bucks. You don't have to keep choosing it. It'll automatically go into the investment options you chose when you set up the account. So that's good news. So what do you choose? I'm a fan of the age-based index funds. Um, and so they'll say, oh, yeah, like Illinois or Utah, it's one of the reasons I like those. Lots of plans have them as well. Where it'll say from zero to five, you know, your age zero to five, we do 100% stock market. Age five to 10, we do like an 80% stock market, 20% fixed income. So as they get older, 10 to 12, 12 to 14, it slowly has this less risky uh, investment. So that when they go to college, the whole point is setting up for college savings. Um, when you enter college, hopefully the stock market didn't crash 50% the year before and you lost 50% of you. All right. So it has a slow de-risking over time. So when they're young, be more, you know, heavily risk and reward, hopefully. And over time, you know, it's not going to get cut in half right before they go to college. So those are called age-based portfolios. I like those. Um, you could do the same thing yourself by just choosing 100% index fund. They're super young. Um, and then kind of changing that every couple of years, you can change your investment options a couple of times, only a couple of times during the year. There's usually a limitation on changing those options. So make sure you pick something um, that's relatively appropriate. They usually make good suggestions for you on that. The other thing to be on the lookout from my perspective is they often have index funds or actively mm. managed funds. 
All right, I would always go with the low cost index funds. If you listen to my episodes, that's my belief investing is that you will outperform actively managed funds. So the 529s are the same because they have these companies coming in there and saying, hey, let's, uh, let us actively manage your 529. We can outperform or do these, you know, these really sophisticated things um, and just pay a fee for all of our, all our smarts. So I would recommend avoiding those, going with just the index fund options inside the 529. I have to say that from my own experience, I found this pretty darn easy. I won't get into a a ton of detail, but when I set this up for my kids through the financial firm that administers in the state that I chose, I was immediately presented. Because I think a lot of these interfaces for the big financial companies these days are very similar. It's the same idea. It's like, where do you want to put your money? And they offered what's essentially a target date fund based on your child's age. And like you said, it has this sliding, de-risking feature to it. It's a really a fire it and forget it type thing. Is it going to be absolutely perfect in all circumstances? No, but kind of averaged across everybody. It was a pretty darn good place to start. Really easy, just really, really easy to select. And I had a reasonable degree of confidence that I was, the chances that I was doing something that was a little bit suboptimal were about equal to the chances that I was doing something better than what I might have selected. So I felt fine. I felt I felt totally okay, uh, but just an important step. And I did definitely choose the low-cost index versions. I think that the expense ratio, it's not as low as you might get on like a Vanguard retirement index fund target date, but it was pretty darn low. I, you know, I, I can't remember spuzz, but I didn't make my eyes pop out. You know, it was- Well, it here's, was here's the I, thing about that. Yeah. Just on that topic, you will see some fund fees, but what you don't see, what I've done, and I told you I looked at the 529 plans for a few different states. So I dug through their 30-page plan documents, and there's multiple fees that are added on top. So there's account fees, portfolio management fees, program manager fees, mm. and state fees, and the fund fees. Okay, so there's multiple potential fees. It's part of what I scrubbed through. You know, when I got to the Illinois and the Utah being some of my favorites was just you have to add up all across the board. All right. So could you just run through what can you actually use the money in your 529 for? Yeah. So the money in 529s we talked about is for education expenses. It's actually for qualified expenses around education. So. You think of it typically around college costs. That's what these have been used for traditionally. So you're pre-saving for expenses during college, such as tuition and fees, books. You can use it for computer technology and related equipment there. So a lot of things around the bulk of the payments for college. But beyond that, you can use it for now. You can use it for K through 12. All right. It is capped at 10,000 a year. But if you have a private school tuition, for K through 12, you can use up to 10,000 a year from your 529s. And that can be actually a really good point, Matt, that if you're in one of the, we talked about state tax deductions, right? If you're in a state where you're getting a good deduction for that, your kid's in a private school, you could flow money straight into a 529 and out, pay for this year's expenses at that private school and get a state tax deduction for that. Just kind of use it as a pass-through, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Use it as a pass-through. So if you have 5000 or 10000 of payments, and if you live in a state with good 
529 state tax deductions, such as Virginia is one of them. And Massachusetts has a little bit to where we live. So you could just flow money through the 529, put money in, send it straight back out to the school and you'll save a few hundred bucks or potentially more. So you can use it for K through 12 payments and then you can use it for any kind of post, post high school schooling as well, college, graduate schools, those qualified expenses. You can even use some of it now for student loan repayment, up to $10,000 you can do for student student loan repayment, so. So you can do it after the fact. You can you can come back in and then use yep. it up. Yep, so you can even come back if you have some student loans, you can even use it for that. Again, you could flow stuff through there, or if you've got extra money in there, you could use it for paying back some student loans as well. well that's interesting. So it sounds like the bottom line with that is, it's pretty broad. You're likely, if you're going to have education expenses, you're going to find some use for it, especially given how expensive education <laughs> right. is. But let's just look at the edge case for a second. Let's say you don't use all of the money in your 529s. Now, you mentioned earlier that one thing you could do is you could just change the beneficiary. You have multiple kids. So maybe you've got one in college, you finish up and yep. it's, hey, Sandra, you did not, I, I chose Sandra in a different context. Another story. Anyway, so, hey, Sandra, you didn't use it all and you don't have loans that we can repay. So we're going to just change the beneficiary on the thousands of bucks we've got left over to Steve, our other kid. Is that what you do with it? Or what do you do if you have unused funds? Yeah. First, I always tell all my clients, I've never been any, met anybody that had the problem of having some extra leftover money and that being like an issue or a big problem. It was money you were expecting to spend on education and maybe your child didn't go to a very expensive school or they got scholarships or whatever, for whatever reason, you have leftover money that you were expecting to spend and now you have it sitting there. So that's a great problem to have. What can you do with that money? We said changing beneficiaries, of course, is the first one. Now you can change beneficiaries to a variety of people. It's gotta be related to the current beneficiary, like a sibling, a cousin, so it could be like if you're the parent, it could be your niece or nephew. You can change it to yourself. You can change it to your parents. You could change it to cousins. This is pretty broad who you can use this money for. You can even let it sit in there, Matt, for grandchildren. So invest it, let it grow for another 20 years, uh, you know, in case there are grandchildren, and you can even use it for that. So there's a variety of things you, you can hold on to the money and leave it in the 529. Now, Say you run out of all those possibilities and you just would like to spend this money. You could do that too, all right? So you can take the money out. If you take it out for non-qualified expenses, not education expenses, then you'll pay a 10% penalty on any of the growth and you'll have to pay taxes, all right? Which is the whole point of like 529s, of course, is that you're not really paying taxes on the growth and everything. So you have to pay the taxes on the growth and then you'll pay a 10% penalty and like I said, have money you weren't expecting to have in your bank account. Actually, I was going to ask about that because as we kind of wind toward the end here, what is the basic case for using 529s? Is it that? Is That's right. Way to bury the lead here. So yeah, the whole reason to use 529s, of course, is for tax savings. So what happens is just like some of these other accounts you're familiar with, your 401k or your individual retirement accounts, your IRAs, the money inside of that account, once you contribute money, it grows tax-free. So any of the growth of capital gains, interest and dividends, is all tax-free. And then when you pull it out of the 529 to spend it on qualified expenses, then that's also tax-free. So once you put the money in, then it's all tax-free from there when you use it for qualified education expenses. So but just a better way to go than putting money under the mattress. So I, I can, 
just to sort of bottom line it. It sounds like if you're going to spend money on college, a 529 is a pretty solid option. You're going to save some money on taxes. You might save additional money on taxes if you happen to have a state plan in the state that you file where they give that kind of a benefit. So you're, you're going to save some money, pretty broad range of uses, and you've got a fair amount of flexibility in terms of who the beneficiary is. You might even get the bonus of being able to get a little bit of leverage over your kids um, in terms of their life choices. Is that basically the, the sum up there? Anything, anything Yeah, that's missed? it. If you're going to... Yeah, if you're going to save for pre-save for education expenses, the 529 is a great option. And again, Matt, as we start with giving that confidence that you're working towards your plan, something that that you value, education, and saving money for that makes you feel confident about having that for those future expenses for those beneficiaries. Mike Morton, Morton Financial Advice. Thanks so much. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or MortonFinancialAdvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, please email me at financialplanningpod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.